This podcast is sponsored by JList.com. On JList.com, you can shop from a constantly evolving catalog of anime merchandise such as toys and books, Japanese snacks, anime computer games, and so much more. Support this podcast and visit JList.com for all of your anime shopping needs. The first season was such a dark and serious series. They killed hundreds of people like main characters people who you thought were main characters died right off the bat in very realistic ways of we're having an alien battle and we're vastly overpowered and of course half the fleet is going to be wiped out and so I I feel like that was one of the things that drew me to the series originally was it was that kind of gritty very realistic type feeling of this world that they were creating ciao minasan You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Welcome to episode 293 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Wherever you're listening to us from, thank you for joining us. I am your host, Mitsugi, and I am joined by a single blonde co-host. As always, she is blonde. I am blonde. I am. That is how the hair comes out of my head. Her name is Chiaki. Say hello, Chiaki. Hi, everyone. It's wonderful to be here today. Ooh. So, you can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. That's the website. That's the place to be, so check it out. You can find us on iTunes. We are on iTunes. If we get three more iTunes reviews, we will move into second place all-time for reviews amongst anime podcasts. So, I am tracking that like a hawk. Because isn't competitive I'm going to have a all. celebration. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can tweet us at... AAA podcast. We are also at Elise Kova. That would be Chiaki's Twitter. Hey everyone, follow me on Twitter and talk to me about book stuff. I have or no, just random stuff. I have no Twitter, so you know what you're gonna do about it. Like the other day, I got myself a bag of peanut M and M's, and I was freaking. Or wait, no, sorry, not peanut, not peanut, peanut butter M and M's. The same I, thing. No, it's not. It's the same thing. It's so not. And I was freaking out about it on Twitter, and I was like, Oh my god, peanut butter M and M's are the best thing ever. We broadcast live on Ustream every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we will be taking some live callers today. If you would like, if, we, if you would like to call in, you can uh, add AAA Chiaki to Skype and go ahead and, and send me a message on there. And of course, you can find us on Patreon. We are on Patreon. We just recorded two hentai episodes with Gerald from Anime World Order. In which, Chiaki, what exactly did you do to Gerald? I fingered him. You fingered him. I did. That that didn't really happen, did it? Oh, it did. I did. I use multiple fingers too. Wow. On air. Wow. So oh, yeah, that will be on Patreon starting Monday, uh, which is tomorrow, the September seventh. So anyway, we have a great show for you guys today. We are going to be lying. Our show sucks for you today. You should just turn this off right now. Yeah, just get. It. It's yeah. awful. She's right. We're not going to talk about anything. I'm just going to sit here and eat apples into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to hype it up and, you know, make the episode sound like it was going to be great. But if you want to, you know, just go ahead and throw it out there and tell it right how it is. I know. 
This I'm episode awful. today is actually going to suck. We are going to do a, a, uh, a discussion topic on censorship laws in Japan, so that ought to be really terrible and boring. We're going to have two really boring news breaks for you, so that will be awful. And then we're going to top it all off with one of the worst reviews we've ever done, Knights of Sidonia Season 2. So, yeah. I definitely don't recommend you stick around. I would get out of here right it's now. It's going to be the worst. As you can tell, we're awful human beings. Ha! Uh, little updates on what's going to be coming up the next couple weeks. Mitsugi is going on vacation in October, so there will be no podcast for a couple weeks as you scream and, and tear at your claw at your face and clothing in terror. Um, but we are going to be doing the following next weekend. We are going to be doing a drinking game. And I don't know what anime it's going to be yet, but I think the front runner is Fist of the North Star. I'm thinking we can drink every time someone explodes. So that might be good. And then the following week after that, which is uh, September 20th, we are going to be doing our fall 2015 anime preview and selections. So that'll be awesome. I can't believe it's that time again. Yep. It I'm is. not. I'm not ready for it. It is because the uh, because the fall season, which has something like 52 anime airing, which is a freakishly ridiculous number. Um, is starting on the first week of October. And then when Mitsugi is in Japan, I'm going to record some special episodes for you. We're going to be doing a story... When Mitsugi is in Japan? Um, when Mitsugi is on vacation, whatever. <laughs> so we, we are going to be doing a story time series. It will be a very in-depth story-style discussion of Chiaki and my trip to Japan. We're going to talk about that in a lot more detail, kind yeah. of the pro- process from start to finish, and we'll tell it like a story. The bathhouse, so... Everything that every single possible minute detail that you could ever need to know or ever could learn yourself by going to a Japanese bathhouse and also going to Akihabara because that is every anime fan's dream. I'm really excited for these. I'm really excited to just kind of sit down and not necessarily approach it because because I feel like whenever we talk about Japan, it always comes from this place of you know we want to we want to educate you guys and give you as much information as we can to help you if you're moving or you're living or you're traveling or whatever. And and I'm really excited to just kind of have story time i guess it's gonna so. be i think it'll be a lot of fun uh so trivia the trivia answer this week was vampire night we are continuing the theme of anime horses so that's yeah a little bit of a challenging one i guess the correct answers were nelly 1876 kudoto mine chibi rob fish food 34 icy rose baki ichigo alchemist 007 shake a spear red overlord gaijin widu and takoyaki the winner for the week is shake a spear shake so, it shake it shake job. it like a Polaroid spear. The multiple contest winner, Shakespeare, has, has again emerged victorious. So, good job. The trivia for the for the week. Chucky, would you like to read the in-show trivia question? I will read the in-show trivia question. So, there are no prizes for this trivia. You just get to pat yourself on the back and say, I know a lot about anime. And the question is, in the series K-On!, what musical instrument does Sumugi play? So if you know this answer, you are super cool. And if you don't, that's okay too. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Howdy, partner. I seen you riding in on that dusty trail. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the moe. So for the good, the bad, and the moe this week, we have, starting off, we have an update on the um, anime industry globally. Looks like the anime industry had recorded a growth rate of 10% in 2014, which is big news because this market had been shrinking up until now, reaching a total of 13.5 billion U.S. dollars globally. 
So it's anime. The anime industry is indeed multi-billion. So they attributed the growth rate to the international markets, mainly China. So who is they? As I said, from the Association of Japanese Animations or AGA in its annual history report scheduled for September 20, September 18th publication, it said, "Quote." The global anime industry recorded double-digit growth in 2014. The report estimates the anime market grew up to a high of 1,629 billion yen in 2014, compared to 1,491 billion yen in 2013. This figure is a measurement of market size based on the estimated amount spent in the animation and animation-related markets by consumers. The animation-related market includes the character business. Which has a major leveraging effect on the industry. The the、uh, the Association of Japanese Animations attributes the increase to growth in in its rights sales and commercialization of video distribution in China. So, we all have China to thank for anime's continued survival. Woohoo! So for the bad, yes, the bad once again is the Olympic Committee. The 2020 Olympic logo. Has been scrapped for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which which I plan to attend myself. the The logo was both quote unquote both ugly, and there were claims that the logo was plagiarized from a Belgian designer named Olivier Deby. Plagiarism's never okay, guys. Right. So I guess the creator of the logo had come under a lot of fire, and due to the criticism of both him and his family, he decided that the logo was going to be scrapped and.、Um, A new logo has not yet been chosen. So, for the、uh, for the Moe, we have a high tech ho- the high tech hotel of the future. There is a hotel called the Henna Hotel or Strange Hotel. It's a futuristic hotel that is designed to combat the rising prices of hotels in Japan. The hotel has the following unique futuristic features: one, a staff that is made up entirely of humanoid robots. Including a robotic dinosaur at the front desk, the, di- the robots are all capable of speaking multiple languages to the to the guests. A facial recognition system that allows the hotel to not use keys, but rather facial scans at rooms, which is that's cool, kind of crazy. Also, a high-tech si-、uh, system that detects the guests' comfort level at a specific room temperature and automatically adjusts adjusts the temperature of a guest's room. So that is、uh, sounding pretty interesting. And the hotel is about eighty dollars per night, which is, by the way, still twice as expensive as a hostel. <laughs> so, though you won't have a hostel, you won't have a robotic Velociraptor checking you in. I mean, I will say、right. that. Like, I've never stayed at a hospital. A, a hospital. I've never stayed at a hospital. Never stayed at a hostel and had robots check me in. So. Okay. So that is it for the good, the bad, and the moe.、Um, yeah. I. You know, I'm definitely planning on on attending the Tokyo Olympics, 2020. And maybe I'll stay in the Henna Hotel, you know. Choto Henna, ne? It's a little hen, yeah, Choto Hen, but it's uh, it's very Yasui. Chol Yasui. Yes, so it's very affordable. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to our bustling and overstuffed mailbag. Why don't we? It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 M- m- mailbag, bag, bag, bag. Kazuo, if you listen to this, I want you to know I'm still holding on the fort. I'm doing the mailbag dance. You know, I did it for about two seconds, and then、I、thought to myself, "What is wrong with me?" You, you have too much hate. In I you. do. 
I do. I, I let the I let the hate flow through me very freely and openly. It's so sad. My, it's so sad. My hate chakras are wide open. Your hate chakras are. Is yeah, that a new deal thing? With that. When you go to the Church of Mitsugi, you get like your hate chakras opened up. We like, have we have group classes where it's not like yoga, but it's kind of a spiritual thing. So it's a little like yoga. And we actually spend about an hour a week practicing the opening of the hate chakra. Oh. Right. So you think about that. There are some benefits to uh, to joining the church. You, too, could have a very hateful, you know, disposition. Jackie, would you like to read the first mailbag? I would like to read the first mailbag. Our first mailbag comes from Ongaku. Ongaku. Ongaku writes, Is Korean music really popular in Japan? Why do so many Korean pop groups and artists release their songs in Japanese? Is learning Japanese a common thing in Korea? I've heard that there's a lot of racism toward Koreans in Japan, so this seems contradictory. And yes, it, it actually kind of is for the most part. There, There is racism in both Korea and Japan toward the other countries. And, and that still exists today. Of course, it's more rampant with older people in both countries, but you can find it among younger younger generations. And if you want to know the source of this, all you have to do is just basically look back through all of Asian history and you can kind of see all that, of it. All, you can kind of see that that Korea and Japan have never really been buddies with each other. Um, Actually, Japan hasn't been buddies with anybody. Yeah, that's true. All they did was slaughter millions of other countries, people. Japan didn't play nice for a long time, but the the interesting thing is is again looking at this history in the 19 late 1990s i think early 2000s somewhere around that time zone there was something called the korean wave in japan where basically korean pop culture came in vogue for japanese people and you can debate it from a cultural perspective if this was a good thing or a bad thing or if it had any kind of impact on change but as far as as creating a market it definitely did create a market for korean pop culture among regular japanese society and so so the, there's there's some interesting things that happen there. And I think that what we see today with regards to, as you pointed out, Korean pop groups and artists releasing songs in Japanese or even having perso- Japanese personas, um, I think is a byproduct of that and, and a lot of that kind of hanging over. And of course, again, younger generations, the, the further you get from any kind of negative stigma and, and most recently in the whole Japan-Korea thing, the world war ii um the younger generations have less and less kind of hate in their hearts that's true definitely true i guess you could say but yeah and apparently you know japanese men are sexier which which is weird because i actually think korean guys are that's what i meant sorry that's what i meant oh oh, oh, korean men are sexier everybody thinks seems to think that i I, yeah well they're a little taller and i think more muscular that's kind of my that was my view of it but whatever uh, okay, next mailbag. Uh, thank you for the mailbag, Ongaku. Next mailbag is from Bill. Bill writes, Hey, addicts, I was wondering what your thoughts are on on two shows that are kind of similar in my eyes and both a lot of fun. Slayers and Legend of the Legendary Heroes. I enjoy didn't, both shows and we're wondering your thoughts. Didn't we review Legends of the Legendary... Didn't we review both of these? You know, when I first read this mailbag, I, I thought he was I thought he was referring to Legend of the Galactic Heroes because it's so, such a similar title. But now I realize that it's not the same anime at all. So, yeah, um, Legend of the Legendary Heroes, I didn't really like it very much. I review if we covered this, it was really really early. I'm I'm trying to Jackie's check. Jackie's looking it up. 
Is is astrophysics here? It, it would have been like the first year. We have, we did cover it. Legend of the Legendary Heroes was reviewed in, oh, I have formatting issues. Ooh, need to update that. Either way, we gave it a two. Yeah, I didn't like it very much. There was a badass character in it, though, that I recall sort of made the characters from, oh, yeah. from, from Darker Than Black look like a little bitch. So, like, <laughs> in Darker Than Black, if you use your power, you have to smoke a cig, right? Or something. Or, or punch a guy or whatever. Stand on your head. Well, this guy, this this swordsman in this in this legend of the legendary heroes, he has to sack, he has to like cut an arm off to use his power. It's 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 some hardcore shit. But that anime had a lot of the um, the normal tropeish type stuff anime's got. But I guess a decent fantasy show. I, there were those are kind of few and far between. So if you're a fan of fantasy, I think maybe maybe it's worth a shot because um, there you know there aren't very many of them. Slayers. Slayers is one of those and one of those swords and magic properties that was a was a huge representative of the '90s. So you know, with Lena Inverse, a lot of anime fans know Lena Inverse. Yeah. Even 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 if you haven't seen Slayers, you know that character's name. I was gonna say even even people who have never seen Slayers know Lena Inverse. Right. Slayers came out in 1995. It's about a wandering sorceress named Lena Inverse, a bandit killer joins uh, um, a bandit, bandit killer joins her, her with uh, the roving swordsman Gari Gabriev in what's supposed to be a quick union of convenience but an artifact Lena liberated from a gang of thieves turns out to be the key to the resurrection of the demon lord Shabran well that's a name Shabran Nidigo. I can't say that. <laughs> Urged on by the mysterious red priest Rezo, the pair has no choice but to fight the Dark Lord and his servants, accumulating new a- allies and enemies along the way. That's courtesy of my anime list. And, you know, I've seen a little bit of Slayers. I saw the movie, but, um, you know, I haven't seen all of it. It's, it's, it's a three separate OVA series, I think, so... Yeah, I mean these are these are both fantasy anime, and if you're a fan of that, you probably won't get much of it to this you know these days from new series. So go back and watch some Swords and Magic, Slayers, and Legend of the Legendary Heroes. Why not? I'm hoping fantasy comes back, but then again, I know I'm really biased. So the next mailbag comes from Dave, and Dave writes, Hello again, AAA chums. A theme I've seen constantly pop up, crop up in anime, especially war anime, is that war is essentially pointless and leads to nothing but ruin on all sides. This is very different from Western film and TV, where the good guys generally win the war, and everything is assumed to be just dandy. I'm assuming this stems from the anti-war and anti-militaristic sentiment caused in Japan by the Second World War. However, how is this reconciled with the apparent love and, more importantly, romanticization of the Warring States period? In particular, Nobunaga, who by all accounts was a rather nasty fellow, but is the hero of many a show. Although usually as some sort of moe blob with a sword. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) I would, I would have thought that this period of history would have been the ultimate demonstration of the futility of war and Nobunaga's betrayal by Mitsuhide, spoiler alert, <laughs> to have been the rather poetic summation of such a belief. This is, this is not an easy mailbag. It's tough. It's very tough. I, I think what you're discussing here are two camps of people. You've got one group who is anti-war and um, likely because of World War II. And the other, and then there are history buffs who romanticize war, and you also have pro groups of people 
you know, and you know, I did a samurai battle reenactment once in Japan, and those people were certainly either pro-war or at least they rep- they respect and cherish their Japanese history and culture. So part Japan is this deeply cultural country that they're always trying to preserve their own culture. And because of that, and because there are so many people that love history, I think that's why, that's why you get a lot of these anime that sort of have historical characters in them. Yeah. Despite there being certainly a huge portion of Japan that's anti-war. It, it, you know, anything that I say on this topic is, is just going to be guesstimation. But I have, to, I have to mirror your comments, Mitsugi, where I almost feel like the Warring States period in, in Japan is... is purely Japanese history there there was no outside influence to that and there was no perception of Japan as going off and doing these things in other countries which a lot of the anti-war sentiment that you see today is surrounding that reinterpretation of the constitution and this idea of Japan becoming a military uh, a military state once more yeah and and going out and being the aggressor and so I don't know it, it, it is interesting it's a great question maybe maybe this is one worth emailing some of our Japanese friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's a tricky question, and you'd have to probably survey various groups in Japan to get the answer, but... Well, especially because anything dealing with Japan in conflict right now is, is such a, a tumultuous subject, and it's such a polarizing subject in Japanese culture. Yeah. Anyway, so we have Eddie Ez on the line. Um, oh. Eddie Ez... Uh, is calling from Maryland. Hey, everybody. Hello. So, hey, how are you? Not too bad. Tired, but good. So, uh, so uh, do you have a question for us today? Good, sir. Well, yeah, actually, this is something I don't want to sound pervy or anything, but <laughs> I noticed that whenever I watch uh, hentai from, like, the 80s and 90s, there's all there's barely any censorship, or pretty much no censorship censorship at all, and then uh, sometime between like late uh, early late 90s or like 98 or 99 and 2000 and, or early 2000, the shift the big shift happens when everything is pretty much uh, pixelated and when it's brought over to the U.S., you can tell that there's a difference so that it's airbrushed or colored or something right um i don't know what does that relate to i think there was a law that was passed uh in the late 90s regarding censorship and everything and that's question one and two is that part of the reason why whenever it's not just uh, limited to hentai but to porn in general is that what this everybody wears has pubic hair to show that it's it's not just they're not wearing bikinis but that is there's actual they're actually having sex. Is that? There is. Um, much my this is a good question, and it sort of feeds into our main topic that we're, that we're going to be discussing. But part of the reason why you see a set, you see a shift uh, towards more censorship uh, in anime, you know, as you get closer to the 2000s, is one of the reasons is because there was a big court trial in yeah. Japan that involved a manga called Honey Room. Um, the the man Motonori Kishi in 2002. Uh, got sentenced to prison for for have for, for writing an obscene manga, and then a- after eventually um, appealing to a higher court, he got his sentence reduced to 1.5 million yen. Yeah. But um, the uh, 
but the court still deemed that his manga was obscene and quote unquote I think it was far too graphic as I have written in my notes here so yeah there were there have been various reasons why the uh, anime has become more censored now than it ever was but I think mostly it's yeah. set by court precedent by other by other court trials and things like that so, okay alright well thanks for the call alright good luck everybody talk, love your show thanks. talk to you later always good to hear from Bye. you so, uh, next mailbag is written by, let's see here. Refrigerator. Refrigerator. <laughs> I have a few short, shortish questions for you wonderful people. Do you want to go question by question on this one? Uh, we might as well. Okay. When you guys went to Japan to teach English, how much Japanese did you speak? I'm interested in doing it in the future, and I was wondering if I needed to be fluent. No. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to be fluent, and honestly, they don't want you to be fluent, and you won't be fluent. No matter what you do, you won't be fluent. So, you know, we were decent, but not great. The best thing I can say, though, is that if you go to Japan, definitely try to pick up some of the language. I mean, it sounds like you, you will by the fact that you're just asking in general if you need to know how much Japanese you need to know, but... I, I guess this is me personally, but I think it's really sad when someone goes to live in another country and then doesn't learn any of the language. It's like, but why are you there? So so it's easier to get around if you know some Japanese, but don't worry about... You can learn a lot there, too. So don't worry about knowing a ton. Second question. How crappy is the pay teaching over there? Oh. Is it enough to live on, or should you have some savings before going? I would say it's always good to have some savings just in general, just in life, even if you're not going abroad to another country, just to kind of, you know, God forbid, but what if something happens? So yes, always kind of have some savings. Um, you can live off of a Japanese teacher salary, especially for the first year, because the taxes are yeah. very low because they calculate off of previous calendar year for taxes. And the government's fiscal calendar is, starts and ends every April. So you can kind of work out when you're going over there. But don't expect to save money. Just go over there for a year or so and blow all your salary on having a lot of fun and then plan on going back to wherever your home is. I got this. I got this. Ready? So you're going to go to Japan, you're going to work, you're going to make a little bit of money, but not a, not, a, not a lot of money. Don't worry about the exchange rate. Just live your life in Japan on your salary. Yeah. And when you're ready to come back, you have two choices staring you right in the face. You can either exchange all your money back into dollars or whatever and, have, and lose half of it to the exchange rate, which kind of sounds like shit to me. <laughs> or you can go to a soap land for X number of hours. What do you think of that? You you could do that. What do you think? In, in Shiaki's case, you could go to a host club. How about that? Yeah, there are male host clubs. I've never been to one. Like I, an like I an Oran High host club. I want to go. I want to talk with smexy Japanese. You're a pervert. Men. Oh, pot meat kettle. What? What? Oh my gosh! Do you want Do you want to know what's going to happen to you if you go to a host club? What? It's going to be like this. What? Where did my panties go? <laughs> Yeah, and you're gonna be and you're gonna be talking to this host, this guy, this host in the club, and you're gonna, and you're gonna, and you're gonna be thinking something like this: one single drink, and I am drunk. You won't even know what hits you, and later on, Cram's gonna be talking to you, and he's simply gonna say this to you: Chicken, did they touch our vagina? 
Wow, Mitsugi, that was an amazing series of, oh, no. of drops. You did that really well. I am the greatest. That is like an A plus right there. Meets third question, Mitsugi. I was wondering if you if you had ever seen Ace of Diamond. If so, I'd love to hear your opinions on it. If and if not, well, then you're a square. Also, thank you for always talking about Hajime no Ippo. I finally broke down and watched it, and it's now one of my favorite anime. Oh, you're welcome. Sorry if you guys have answered any of these questions before. Love you guys. Keep up the, gr- the great work. You know what, Refrigerator? I love you, too. You keep my things frosty. Well, I have not seen Ace of Diamonds, so I am a square. But I do plan on watching it. It's, it's high on the list of uh, click. Uh, what, what are you doing? You, they, they said you're a square, and I'm trying to see if you... How um, I'm holding up my fingers like a square, and I'm seeing if you fit. When you do that, all I see is the square-shaped Tetris block just sliding do down do the do screen. Do 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 yeah. Let's play some Tetris, mother. Yeah, don't don't go, don't even go there. I hey hey hey. Okay, so um, so this next mailbag is written by. The Creepster. You want to read it? The Creepster writes, Hello, I enjoy listening to your podcast, even though it has only been a few months since I have discovered it. Oh, a newbie! Yay! I was wondering, since I have only seen a handful of anime, about 84 since I started. Hey, 84 anime is pretty good. It actually is. That's That's not bad. Which was about four years ago. I am wondering, most anime that I have seen takes place in Japan, in space, or on another planet. I do enjoy watching these types of shows, but I like watching shows that take place in other countries. Perhaps this is one reason why I enjoyed watching Gunslinger Girl, which takes place in Italy. Do you guys know any anime which does not take place in Japan, space, or another planet? It may have a few scenes or an episode in Japan, but does not take place solely in Japan, in any of its eras, or in an alternate universe of it. Well... There are a lot of them, and honestly, I'm going to skip my normal suggestions of Monster, Space Brothers, Twelve Kingdoms, Berserk, because... Well, Berserk and Twelve Kingdoms don't count. Why not? Because he said that doesn't take place on another planet. Well, that's not another planet. It's a fantasy world. I think think that counts. I think he means takes place in the real world (sighs) in a... Okay, 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 okay. I'm I'm interpreting the essence of the question. So my first one was Dot Hack. Is that one out? It takes I, place inside of video I would game. say so. Okay, so Chucky's just tearing me up here. Do you, you, you have a suggestion? I, well, noir? Doesn't noir take place in, like, Europe? Some kind of Europe, yeah, yeah. that's true. Noir. Yeah. Noir doesn't take place in Japan um, or any kind of space fantasy world or anything like that. We just reviewed Maria the Virgin Witch. That anime takes place entirely in France. That's true, and it's not, I mean, it has fantasy elements, but it's not like a straight fantasy world. Black Lagoon is presumed to be in either Singapore or some location in eastern China. That's true. Senko no Night Raid was also also took place in China, though that anime was rancid. So I don't know. I guess it depends on how much you really want to watch, you know, an anime. And then there was that one. I mentioned it before, and we thought of its name, and I've forgotten it again. But the one that came out fairly recently about the Japanese girl who went to France and lived in, in France. And everyone was like, oh, she's so uh, exotic. I but can't remember the name of that. I can't remember the name of that either. But um, the only Shalanis in the chat says, go sick, not in Japan. Yeah, that definitely has a, an Eastern European or just European in general flair to it. So Loop on the Third sort of takes place in all kinds of different countries. That's true. Loop on the We've Third does. Before. Jojo, so. Jojo starts in England and goes to Egypt. Um, That's true. A listener in the chat said that as well. That's so. very true. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take our first anime news break. 
And then when we come back, we're going to be discussing censorship in Japan, censorship laws in Japan specifically. So when we come back, we're going to do that, and then we're going to have another news break. And we're going to come back, and we're going to do a review on the second season of Knights of Sidonia. Ooh, don't miss this one. Okay, and we'll be back in just a minute. you anime addicts this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break first up one of my favorite things about Hatsune Miku is that no one really owns her and everyone seems to get a piece and what I mean by that is there are so many variations of Hatsune Miku designed by very famous character designers one such example is the Evangelion character designer Yoshiyuki Sadamoto has done a drawing of the virtual idol Hatsune Miku in, of course, kind of an Ava-esque style. Well, that drawing is getting a 1 8 scale figure courtesy of Good Smile. Pre-orders have opened and the figure is retailing for 12,000 yen or about 100 US dollars. Of course, you can find pictures of the original artwork online and the figure, and let me just tell you, this one looks really good. In other news, for those of you who love cats, well, it's time to take your love of Japan and love of cats and bring them together. Much like Google Street View, where you can walk around virtually any street in the world, or almost any street. The Hiroshima Prefecture is adding their own spin by making the Hiroshima Cat Street View. Much like Google Street View, it works the same way where you can walk around except for from a cat's level. As of right now, the Cat Street View only has two areas, both in Onomichi, which is known for its cat population. The shopping arcades guides viewers through a busy commercial section and introduces them to poster cats in the neighborhood which are friendly cats used by stores to lure customers in. You can, of course, find the promotional video for the Cat Street View in Hiroshima on YouTube and other photos online. In other news, it shouldn't be any surprise that I love video games. So, of course, I love exclusive systems based after anime, manga, and my favorite games. And the official Japanese PlayStation blog has recently announced that Sony will be releasing special collaboration models of the PlayStation Vita and PlayStation TV. That these will celebrate the release of Ideas Factory's upcoming Hakuoki Shinkai Kaze no Shou, or Hakuoki True Revision Chapter of the Wind game. All three models of the PS Vita and PS TV will come in a glacier white color, but will be available with three different laser etch designs. You can find photos online. And finally, if Starbucks is any indication, October is coming. And if you are decorating your house for Halloween, you might want to have some anime stuff hanging on the walls. Well, toy manufacturer Chara Hiroba is adding some Yoamushi pedal plushies and phone straps as crane game prizes for this Halloween. The boys of Hakone Academy are dressing up as a police officer, a werewolf, and a Zhengxi, which is a Chinese hopping vampire. They're joined by the guys from Sohoku High School dressed as a witch, a traditional vampire, and a tiger. 
If you're not in Japan, I'm sure you'll be able to find these online and pin them up on your walls. This was Chiaki, and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. You've probably heard us talking about JList.com by now. We've used the site for trivia prizes for years, and it's one of the leaders on the internet for all the best stuff from Japan. JList.com has everything from books to magazines to games... To toys, snacks, and a bunch of other anime stuff. They're always changing their inventory depending on what's hot right now in the anime community. That means you don't want to miss out on what they have right now, and you'll want to know what's coming up next. If you like RSS feeds as much as we do, then you can make it really easy to keep up with JList.com. Use the feed www.JList.com forward slash RSS in your favorite feed tracker like Feedly to keep an eye on all their great products from Japan. If you're not of legal age in your home country, or if you're not interested in the more adult products JList has to offer, don't worry. Just change JList to JBox, their non-adult mirror site. JBox.com forward slash RSS has all the same great stuff as JList.com, minus the adults only material. Support this podcast by supporting JList.com for all your anime good needs. We can guarantee you'll find something just for you on JList or JBox.com. And we're back to the 293rd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, inching our way closer to 300. Yep. One week at a time, we continue to approach 300. It's basic math. Every time we add one. So we're going to be doing a uh, main topic discussion on censorship in Japan. But first, we have a five-star review submitted by Silver Words. The shortest five-star review we've ever had. It reads, yeah, it's great. (laughs) You know, I can't argue with the guy. It's... It is the essence of what we strive for here on the AA Podcast. And you know what? That that was an awesome five-star review. It was. It really was. It was. New forum members. Welcome Blonde Prince, Gaijin <sighs> Widu, Red Overlord, and y- Yarn Dede. I have to go with Blonde Prince because I'm blonde. You, you Very good. <laughs> but, but you know what? You know what? What? Why are you slow clapping me? Because you're, that was good. That was... Did I do good, Misuki? You did, you did. <laughs> okay, so we have Meowth on the line calling from Rhode Island. Meowth, Meowth. what is up and how are you? Uh, doing good. Kind of sleepy. Kind of sleepy. Well, Well, when you do college homework and you're reading these textbooks, it makes your brain get all tired. <laughs> what kind of textbooks are you reading? Uh, well, earlier I was reading a psychology book. Oh, dear God help you. Watch out, Reading, she's going to play a mind game with us. It could have been orgo chemistry or something. That would have been oh, worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Organic chemistry made me cry. Or an algebra book or calculus. That would have been terrible. So um, <clears throat> do you have a hopefully um, eye-awakening and invigorating anime-related question for us? Eh. Well, I guess it's anime. So uh, I ordered some books on Amazon that are based off manga, anime, like the light novel kind of books. Okay. And I was asking, like, if you ever read those things? Because I know a lot of people say, like, for example, Sword Art Online, the anime is kind of shitty because it doesn't follow the manga 
well, light novel very good. Like, it cuts stuff out a lot. So I was just wondering if you ever read those things, like, just to see if they're good, you know? Well, um, I actually just finished reading through the the three-volume series of Crest of the Stars. It's a light novel series, and it, and it was... It was it was pretty good, and but, but I gotta say the anime followed the that light novel like to a T. I mean everything was even some of the dialogue was the same. So I mean it really followed it really really closely, but it, it was quite good. Um, sadly, I couldn't find a translated copy of Banner of the Stars. I don't even know if it has a light novel, but either way, I couldn't find it. I also am currently reading the Twelve Kingdoms light novels, and those are fantastic, fantastically well written fantasy stories. I, I've never read light novels, but it's like wh- that's on my list of shame as like an anime fan because there are so many anime that I love that are based off of light novels that do have English translations and I haven't read them. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? So I'll actually say to you, Mal- Meowth, if you uh, if you read some really good light novels, send me send me a PM or a, a tweet or oh, yeah. a direct message or an email or something and be like, this light novel is so good. And yeah. then. Even if I haven't seen the anime, I'd still love to read it. Yeah, I want to know, too. Well, actually, uh, Yen Press is translating the Dorara light novels. Oh. They, got the, they got the first volume out right now on Amazon, so you can buy the first one. And then the second one's coming out next month, so I was thinking of trying to get those. And they also announced that, like, one anime convention, they're going to translate the Bakano light novels pretty soon. Okay. Nice. Well, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Happy reading. Yep, you too. Okay, so um, this topic that we're doing, censorship in Japan, I want to give some credit to an article that I read. The article is by Silva Joaquin, uh, Joaquin da Silva, and it's titled Obscenity and Article 175 of the Japanese Penal Code, A Short Introduction to Japanese Censorship. That article had a lot of information, and it had over 50 sources. So it was a well-documented article. But, uh, Chucky, why are we even doing this topic? You know, I, I think it's an interesting topic, especially lately, because I feel that there are a lot of anime that have come out that have put this topic back in the forefront of people's minds. I'm thinking like uh, Terraformers and Tokyo Ghoul and things like that, where you have these anime that have uh, intense violence or some sexual content and we see censorship. And sometimes that censorship comes in the form of just fade to black or cutting away or showing like a character's reaction to something horrible but other times we see censorship in the form of like the Tokyo Ghoul where it's like really bad and obvious just like beams of light awkwardly shot through the frame to to censor something violent and so I I think I hear I I feel like I've heard a lot more in the past couple months talk about censorship in anime and why are certain things censored and if s- censorship in anime ruins the enjoyment of an anime and people saying you know oh i i really want to watch tokyo ghoul but i'm waiting until the blu-rays come out because they're going to be uncensored and things like that and and so i think it's an an interesting topic to discuss because i feel like i feel like you don't see that happen as much here in the west and, and maybe i'm wrong but i feel like if if something is being made that has that level of violence or sexuality or something, it's just given a rating that says, okay, kids can't watch this, and then puts 
it's put out as is. What did you say? The chat's saying, do you mean Tokyo Ghoul? What did you say? Oh, I don't remember. There was Tokyo Ghoul, and then it was was Terraformers that had... Terraformers had just embarrassingly high levels of censorship, where practically the whole screen was black (laughs) in certain scenes. Yeah. But you see it in all kinds of shows. I mean, and we'll, we'll get to that, but, you know... Japan has a, has very different laws compared to, compared to the United States when it comes to censorship, and this goes back way to way into the into the pre Meiji era. So prior to World War II, and prior to even the Meiji era, there were there was you had Japan and you had the Western countries trying to open up countries like China and Japan and Korea to trade into in, into Western influence, and you had nations like Japan that were totally closed off from the West. You know, Japan didn't always used to be an open country where you could just kind of go in and out. And for a long while, Japan censored Western influences and Western content or clothing styles or whatever you want to call it because they were trying to resist that opening up of their country to, to foreigners. Well, and I think I think you, you have to give a little bit more context and history here where... Japan was looking at the time what you're the, the period of time you're talking about Japan is, was looking at China specifically I think in many ways and China was forced open by the British and I do say forced because the British basically came in and said you're going to trade with us and we're going to have you as like parts we're just going to settle here and whatnot and and so China was really strong-armed into by by the British Empire yeah. and Japan was looking at that and Japan was saying, "Oh no, oh no, that is not happening here and we don't want that to happen here." And so they were a very closed country for the longest time, which is why the Meiji era and the Meiji Restoration and the opening of Japan is such a huge deal in Japanese history because you look at it and it's Japan opening its doors for the first time and, and people are wearing Western clothes for the first time. Right, yeah. So, so it was a level of censorship that wasn't just, oh, we don't want anything with a British flag on it or whatever, but to the point of we're not going to have Western clothes here and we're not going to condone you know, Western music or thinking or ideologies and whatnot. So prior to World War II, there was a lot of censorship. There were censorship laws in Japan. The government would censor a lot of criticism of the Japanese government and of the emperor. They would censor political writing, and they would also censor pornography. So those were some of the major things that they would censor. But during the during the occupation of Japan in 1945, you know World War II, the Allied powers abolished censorship in Japan, including uh, freedom and they, including uh, speech. So they sort of enacted a freedom of speech clause. And when they wrote and when they rewrote the Japanese Constitution, Article 21 of that Constitution says, "quote Freedom of assembly and association of all, uh, as well as speech, press, and all other forms of expression are guaranteed. No censorship shall be maintained." nor shall the secrecy of any means of communication be violated. So basically they wrote freedom of speech into, which we all know is like one of our very first amendments to our constitution in the United States. Which uh, that is relevant again, because just little tidbits of Japanese history, when, when Mitsugi is saying, you know, they wrote the constitution or whatever, America literally wrote Japan's current standing constitution following right. the war. And, and it still stands today. And there have been some reinterpretations of it and whatnot. But that constitution is still in effect. So so Article 21 of the Japanese constitution, as you said, being similar to the American constitution, it, 
it's literally similar because we wrote it. Right, exactly. So not a whole lot of creativity there. But, you know, nonetheless, there are censorship of various ideas in Japan continued regardless of the law. Which which is very interesting too. I'm sorry, not not to, to I don't want to tangent us, but this is on topic. But but following World War Two and the American occupation of Japan, there were all of these propaganda things to, to denationalize Japan and to to prevent any kind of nationalistic uprising against the allied occupation and and it's interesting when you look at it from the perspective of america wrote in the allied powers wrote in this freedom of speech but then on the other hand they were they were engaging in a lot of activities to disseminate propaganda messages and to to dissuade the dissemination of any kind of nationalistic pro-Japan messages. So even though the Japan, quote-unquote, got freedom of speech, at the same time, they were still had certain ideas that were being, I don't know if censored is the exact right word, but at the very least being so heavily dissuaded that they weren't even part of the conversation in many ways. So even after that article was written in, pornography... And criticisms of the American Constitution were still censored um, in Japan. But, you know, I think a lot of what we're talking about today is pornography because that has the most documentation of anything in terms of censorship. Yeah. So there is an article in in the Japanese legal system that is responsible for pretty much all of the censorship you see in Japan. So it's kind of simple. Yeah. They have a law. It exists. And it causes everything from pornography, violence, vulgarity, um, drugs, alcohol, all that, all that kinds of stuff can be censored because of this law. It's, and it's called Article 175 of the Japanese Code or the Obscenity Law. In Japanese, it's, it's Waisetsu Butsu Hanpoto. And it's the existence of, um, it is the only existence of official restriction on the 21st article of the Constitution. So there's only one thing that can cause censorship in Japan, and it's this law. Um, and if there is a law that regulates what can be read in newspapers and other kinds of works like paintings or manga or anime, it's this Article 175. Yeah. So the article, and this is a quote right out of their legal code, it says, it stipulates that, quote, a person who distributes, sells, or displays in public an obscene document, and that word obscene is very important, drawing or other objects shall be punished by imprisonment with work for not more than two years, a fine of, no, of not more than 2.5 million yen or a petty fine. The same shall apply to a person who possesses the same with the purpose of sale. So if you have something obscene or you're going to sell it, they can hammer you. And that, and as you said, emphasis on obscene of what constitutes as obscene and who gets to define that ends up being the issue. And and a lot of this discussion, I think, can be mirrored in a lot of societies that have the idea of free speech. And it's it's that striking that balance of how do you protect people's rights to have ideas and to disseminate information and whatever inf- information they want while still not hurting anyone and not condoning illegal, harmful acts. So I think that's where a lot of the crux of censorship in Japan comes in, is is this interpretation of, 
okay, what is obscene and obscene meaning harmful to society? Right. So we have the interpretation of obscene materials and the courts and governments in Japan have really failed to define what that quote unquote obscene material is. But it has been interpreted to mean the exposure of pubic hair, the adult genitalia and the sexual act. End quote. In terms of pornography. In yeah. terms of pornography specifically. So you get the hiding of, of visual material like that um, with in Japan, what's called bokashi, or the blurring of fo- or fogging of the genitalia or, or pubic hair or whatever, with mosaic and and bokashi, bokashi, and and this is really interesting to me because th- I feel like there's this interpretation of immediately when you think of anything being censored, there's there's that maybe visceral response, especially for for people in the states, because this the idea of free speech is something that's held so sacred i think for a lot of americans that you think of something being censored and you're just like ah that's that's wrong and and whatnot but but it's interesting because a lot of the japanese people that we've had very candid conversations with you you more than i i'll admit admit to liking mosaic yeah i had a friend in japan who i asked him you know you know you're you're having english teaching conversations in, in, in english school right and you know you you get to know a guy after year after a year of talking to him every week for an hour, right? And you, you kind of run out of things to talk about. That's the hardest part about that job. And really, it's kind of funny because you get to the point where you're comfortable enough with a guy where you're just like, "Hey man, you want to go to a boob pub?" He's like, "Sure, let's go to a boob pub. Let's do it." And before you know it, you're asking the guy your questions like, "Are you comfortable? Do you prefer?" the censorship do you like the mosaic on a girl's vagina or whatever you know just say oh yeah yeah i really yeah he said i really i really prefer it you know because i don't want to see too much which is weird to me but this is not that has nothing to do with censorship yeah it isn't like he wants it because he approves of censorship he just wants it because it's been around ever since he was interested in girls and wants to that's just his personal preference in pornography. Which maybe, which maybe there's an issue with bringing it back to the fact that Japanese people aren't having enough sex and making enough babies. Like maybe there's part of the problem of the fact that people are like, uh, yeah, I don't want to see too much of real genitalia. Like, right. oops. Yeah. So, you know, it was funny. I was just thinking about something very philosophical. You said we don't really have censorship in the United States, right? But couldn't you say that society censors I, us? I didn't say we didn't have censorship. I said I think that that we have we have the the amendment right to free speech and that I think it is held sacred in the states the idea that you have the freedom to express your opinions and beliefs and whatnot. That doesn't mean that I don't think we have censorship because well, the, the, there's that's two different things. Well, I just think it's funny because it's like, there are various, like, you know, the whole concept of political correctness. You yeah. know, people get their feathers all up and all ruffled because of Donald Trump, right? Because he says whatever. Yeah. He doesn't have a filter. But it's just like, I don't know, I was just thinking about, about the philosophical concept of not being able to say what you really want to say because of the way society will view what you say. And so, in a, in a sense, even if the government wouldn't come down on you and hammer you and put you in jail... There's there are a lot of things that if you want to say them you just simply can't because society will just not approve of it and you'll be like an outcast. Anyway, it's a different more of a philosophical discussion, but getting back to Japan, 
1950, there was a huge, very important court case that is, has been used as precedent in Japanese courts ever since it happened, even up until recently. There was a court case regarding the translation of a book called Lady Chatterley's Lover, whom a lot of people know. And a lot of that, that, that title is well known. Written by the British author H.D. Lawrence. And in Japan, a Supreme Court held that that the that the translation was was obscene because it refers to uh, it refers to that which unnecessarily excites or stimulates sexual desire, quote unquote, injures the normal sense of embarrassment commonly present in a normal ordinary person and runs counter to the good moral concept pertaining to sexual matters. So let's let's maybe break that down. Sure. So we have refers to that which unnecessarily excites or stimulates sexual desire. That's any that that to me is any pornography. Yeah. So Period. that's basically saying if it makes you horny, <laughs> it's not good. Injures the normal sense of embarrassment commonly present in a normal or ordinary person, which that to me goes back to the the whole idea of I mean maybe even a lot of what you see in anime with reference to Japanese culture of, oh, sex, oh, I should be so, so embarrassed, and we can't talk about that, and we can't think about that, and we can't do that, because sex right. is so embarrassing. Oh, my God, Hazakashi. And and that... Hazakashi. That's interesting. And then, and runs counter to good moral concept pertaining to sexual matters. So, so I think it's... I think it's very interesting when you start looking at censorship and relating it to the state of sex in Japan. And that's that's a very weird statement, I realize, but it's a fair statement, as we've covered before. And and you look at it and you start thinking how much of the way Japanese people approach sexuality is being defined by these censorship laws that have been in, in act since the 1950s because law becomes social norm and social norm is is what defines how people act. You know, someone in, the, someone in our live audience, which is very large today, hello, you guys, you guys are great, was mentioning how, how how broad the term of obscene is. And yeah. It really is, break, you can break that down into interpretation. I mean, every person has a different scope of what they think is obscene. And in Japan, that is a big problem because, you know, you have you have, you have all these precedents that, ap- that apply to various topics, but even if there's no precedent, if someone views something you create as obscene, whether it's, vi- whether it's excessively violent or uh, sexual or, you know, whatever it may be. If they review it as obscene, you can go to jail for that. I mean, it's not a very good not a very good law in that sense. Well, and again, you'd have to have some kind of court agree with you that it's obscene. But it, but it is it, it is a dangerous and slippery slope. But most, quote-unquote, free speech matters are. And that's why you have, you have, oh, I think it might have been the law in the 90s, but I want to say it was something more recent. Oh, no, I think it was the whole things we saw in the late 2000s regarding uh, the the interpretation of child pornography and, and depictions of, of children and whatnot. And and I, I don't want to elicit the, the immediate, like, well, of course child pornography is bad, even though, yeah. But um, 
And you had all of these these manga artists and doujin artists pushing back on the the wording of the law right. from from a fundamental perspective of it's a slippery slope when you start trying to quantify free speech and it's it's a dangerous thing when you start saying okay you have free speech except for not about this and and it's it's something that that all nations and and whatnot who try to uphold that have to deal with but but I think I think a lot of times you'll see pushback from the manga and doujin and anime community about things on a principle more than on the more than on what what they're saying because I don't think anyone is trying to say you know child pornography is a good thing like I don't think anyone would would really want to say that they're making that claim no no but, uh, no but it's I mean you're basically weighing against a, lo- a very poorly written law yeah your freedom to express yourself yeah and how do you I don't know how you do that I mean you end up arguing about it in court, I guess, but you you're putting yourself at risk when you when you when you release a piece of media, you know, such as a doujinshi that has something that's presumably child porn or whatever, because they could just take you to court because they think it's obscene. It doesn't have to meet any general characteristics. Yeah, but um, there have been other court precedents, and this one I mentioned earlier in the show in 2002. Moto, Moto Nori Kishi was taken to court for writing an obscene manga called Honey Room and was given eventually a 1.5 million yen fine, which is a pretty substantial fine. And, I mean, back then, that would have been like 30 grand probably. But um, the courts said that the manga was far too graphic. So what exactly does that mean? I mean, it's it's all about like precedent, and that's why so many... That's that's one of the reasons why so many manga and so many anime have censorship, especially now, because pre- other anime and manga have been taken to court for this issue. But at the same time, it's also kind of a joke in some ways. Where if you look at if you look at doujin and and you look at what some of the modern day doujin artists are doing to to uphold the censorship law, it, there's like a penis. And there's a tiny little black bar just right across somewhere. Right. And, and that's it. And you yeah. see everything else in this like doujin manga. And there's just like one little dot somewhere. And because it obscures the whole penis or whatever genitalia, it classifies as censorship. And and I, I feel like that's that's the struggle that artists are kind of meeting in Japan is is there aren't clear laws about this. And 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 yeah. Too many things are left open to interpretation. Well, Japan just has all kinds of terrible laws. I mean, think about how the like a man technically can't be a, a prostitute because the because the kanji yeah. for the kanji for prostitute has the character for woman in it. So a man can't possibly be a prostitute because by the by the writing of the word it doesn't have the it has a you know what I mean it's ridiculous honestly. But I mean I totally agree with you. But I think more than just including some censorship, it shows an active effort. To make it less obscure, make it less obscene. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think when you go to court and they ask you questions about the obscene level, the, the obscenity that that's in your that's in your work, and you say, "Oh, well, I did my best to sort of try to censor it while maintaining my artistic integrity." Maybe that maybe that gives you some grants you some leniency. I'm not sure. But some of the things that 
Article 175 has applied has has been applied to in anime has been depiction of pubic hair, which which we've talked about. And for some reason in this law, the uh, the pubic hair is a huge deal. It's been a gigantic issue in past court trials, and so well, that's one of the things that you see censored more than anything else is pubic hair. Also, the pubic body parts. And because of that, you know, there's a reason why tentacle sex was invented in 1986 by yeah. Toshio Maeda. And it's because the tentacles in porn are not considered human genitalia, and so they don't have to censor tentacles. You know, it's amazing for a country that, generally speaking, loves their bureaucracy and respects order. Japan can be so good at finding loopholes. <laughs> I mean, that's why you have things like this whole debate of reinterpreting the Constitution with regards to the self-defense force, and 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 that's a whole other thing, but just as a, a very timely example of... Rather than rather than just saying let's rewrite the constitution, they're just saying we're going to reinterpret what this means. Right. And and I think I, it's just it's it's funny to me. It it does. There's a re- I mean, think about how many hentai have monsters, demons, robots, aliens, etc. in them having sex instead of people. Yeah. A lot, right? And if you if you go back and you watch your hentai and you pay attention to the types of characters in them. You'll notice that these sorts of beings in the pornography don't actually get censored most of the time, unless and think I and I'm I, I hesitate to say always because I think if the genitalia is excessively realistic looking, it would be it would get censored. But I've seen plenty of hentai where you have tentacles and whatever else that just have no censorship whatsoever, and it makes no sense to me because of how realistic they look anyway, especially when they're coming from off screen. Yeah. I also don't understand why you can show the inside of a woman, inside of a woman's pubic area, like inside, you know, inside. That inside is, the vagina. Inside we the can, vagina. We can use the V word. Never censored. Never. Yeah. Because it's not visually showing the genitalia. It's just showing an, 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 an interpretation of what the inside of the genitalia looks like. And Ridiculous. And it's not even attractive. Okay, sorry. It's really that's, not. That's my personal preference. But every time I see the inside shot, I'm just like, this does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of ridiculous. And I think a lot of this sort of boils down to really weak, flimsy, loophole-ridden laws that Japan yeah. has. You have people that go to jail for expressing their artistic and te- their artistic freedom and th- and then yet you have other people who do the same thing, and because and because they use a robot instead of a human, they're totally like scot free with it. And I think that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, and and it, it 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 is it is an interesting thing to look at because I I think there is a cultural element again to looking at why why are certain things deemed as okay. Like, for example, a robot or a tentacle monster, whereas other things aren't, such as an actual man's penis. And and I think I think it's interesting to see the impact on that culture and culturally and how it reflects the culture of, of this one thing is OK, where this fundamentally the same thing is is not OK, because I think I think if you took a random person and showed a girl 
having sex with a tentacle monster versus having sex <laughs> with a man. It's just... I like I feel like <laughs> questions of random person aside going what the but but that aside I feel like someone would look at that and go they're both pornography they're both equally sexual yeah, for like, sure I mean for sure like there's nothing about one that makes it better in fact it's almost kind of worse because it's tentacles because it's usually rape and there's usually multiples and there's usually just all kinds of other wrong shit happening but but it's it's right. it's interesting to me from a perspective of of what it says about Japanese society or how Japanese society reflects it. So here are some recent anime that have been impacted by censorship. Okay, yeah. tons of hentai, especially recently. So the closer you get, the the, f- the more precedent there has been set in the legal world of Japan, the more censorship you have in hentai. As soon as you've got those first couple court trials where a guy goes to jail for having uncensored hentai. Everybody starts censoring their hentai. Right? Yeah. But in anime, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure had censorship. JoJo, there's a lot of smoking in JoJo, right? Oh, yeah. They, they censored him smoking a lot in there. I remember that. So, I mean, I don't think, so. I don't, I don't think cigarettes are obscene, but, but, but what does the law say? Does it say something about, um, something about the, the moral integrity or something like that? The good moral okay, so okay, so it says good moral concept pertaining to sexual matters. So I'm not really sure why they would censor that, but there's it, it's not here in this outline, but but I would put money on if my memory serves that there was a court trial in Japan regarding uh, I, I've heard this many multiple times before, the corruption of youth and and items ideas depictions of things that corrupt japan's youth and having that be censored and that be considered offensive and i wouldn't be surprised if cigarettes are being lumped into that anyway um in tokyo ghoul there was a lot of censoring they would use dark beams across the screen to sort of block out excessive gore probably the most egregious example i've seen recently was terraformers where they would literally have three quarters of the screen blacked out when when I saw some of the gifs, because I haven't I haven't watched this anime, but when I I saw some gifs from the anime, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I thought someone had made that as like a joke about the censorship. I didn't realize that that was actually a screen cap because it is so out. It's like it's like you see the bottom third of the screen. You see somebody's legs, and that's it. Like you don't see anything else. Yeah, I mean it's it's like literally an embarrassment that 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 they would put out a piece of content, and I'm gonna post a link into the chat right now that shows it. So, you know, I, okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my personal viewpoints Uh-oh, out here for here a second. Here it comes. But no, this isn't that bad. But but I honestly feel like I feel like the idea of something is equally as dangerous, if not more so than a depiction of that thing. I feel like just putting the idea into someone head, someone's head, that's that's the primary thing right there. It doesn't matter if you show it or not. And in fact, sometimes I think not showing it can make it worse because people fill in with their imagination the worst thing they could possibly conceive. And so I feel like to personally to some degree censorship efforts are moot point because you look at it and you you think okay I know somebody's head is being ripped off I know that's happening right now and I'm not seeing it but I'm just gonna fill that in mentally and be like okay 
there's heads ripping off right now and and I still have that idea in my head I still have that image in my head even if it's not the image that an artist drew it's still there I'd like to find the court precedent that that causes the censorship of violence because there's no possible way terraformers is any more violent than the beginning of elephant lead oh god no not only is she naked but she's just like decapitating people and carrying their carrying their severed heads around and yeah that's not censored at all so I mean the original Berserk was really gory too, wasn't it? It was, but nothing like nothing like that. Nothing like Elephant Lead. Or you have all the way back to Ninja Scroll. Yeah, so I'm saying like these those shows are all are all younger than Terraformers. Yeah. So I, I wonder what the court precedent is that causes the set that that kind of censorship of of violence and blood, but I don't know what that is. Again, I think I think it stems, and I don't have anything other than just just I've been paying attention to anime news for far too long um, to back this up. But I I want to say it comes from the the court trials surrounding the the court trials surrounding the corruption of youth, and and there was okay, a lot well. around that. Um, also, Todabudu Darkness had light beams censoring nudity. And then there's an article that I found on Anime News Network that, that discusses some interesting forms of censorship. Uh, school days, there was a the, the Nice Boat episode um, were examples of censorship in anime. The final episode of the dating sim uh, game was delayed for about a week after a real-life axe murder took place in Tokyo. So an axe murder took place in Tokyo, and so they delayed the release of the yeah. game because of its violent content. Um, they're talking about how Madoka Magica was censored for a while because there was an earthquake, because because of the Great Eastern Earthquake in Japan. Yes, there was there, was, there were one or two anime that had that had earthquake episodes that never aired because it was right after the Tohoku. Yeah. Um. So I guess there were some episodes in Excel Saga, which is an anime that I haven't even thought of in a while, but it's so funny. Excel Saga was there were a couple episodes got pulled because some of the content was was deemed to be really insensitive. There's quite a few. I mean, there's quite a few. Episode 15 of, of Mobile Suit Gundam was pulled from North America's broadcast due to off-model animation. That's something totally different. <laughs> but I mean, oh my well, good lord, they should have pulled the recent Dragon Ball Super if they're gonna pull Mobile oh Suit Gundam. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I have never seen something so embarrassing. Oh, it's it's rancid. Uh, someone in the chat actually said earlier that probably one of the worst offenders for censorship in, in Western animation, and this is a whole new topic, but so we won't go too far into it, is, is four kids. I mean, four kids. God. If you if you look at that, too, their censorship, it, it's interesting, too, to Terrible. see censorship and how it how it translates to the West of what's okay in Japan and what then the West looks at and says, this isn't okay for Western consumption. And, and immediately when, when I hear four kids and censorship or changed anime, immediately what my mind goes to is bright neon blue, Mr. Popo. And, and I don't, I don't want to say like take any stance or whatever necessarily, but, but that right there to me, I was just like, what? But yeah, yeah. The the censorship by four kids thankfully doesn't happen anymore because four kids doesn't exist. But that was that was pretty terrible. So, do you have any more last comments for uh, for censorship in Japan? No, just that it's a really interesting topic, and that I think it's something that if you're a media studies student or 
any kind of, of law student or whatever, it could make a really interesting topic for like a, a paper or something. Yeah. Okay, so we have Esteban on the line calling from Buenos Aires, Argentina. So how oh, are cool. you doing today? Oh, hi. Hi. Hello. Hey, how are you? Yeah, oh, very good. Thank you. <laughs> so what's up? Do you have a question for us? Yeah, I, I want to switch a little bit the topic. I was wondering if anime could adapt, uh, I mean, take one of the movie gimmicks of the of recent would you rather be uh, uh, 3d or the thing that the uh, hobbit movies did the higher frame rate the oh. 3d 3d as in as in like glasses 3d stereoscopic okay yep i just wanted to make sure we didn't we weren't mm. talking about cg um i would go with the higher frame rate i don't i actually don't like 3 3D in, in movies. I know a lot of people really like it, and there's a lot of movies lately that have been filmed with the 3D, and it really enhances the experience, but I just, I never enjoy it. I'm sorry, there's yeah, my deep, dark confession. Yeah, it's a little bit annoying, the, the darker tint of the glasses that, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is for me, is I just... Plus, I usually get distracted by it or I find it so minimal that I'm like, why do I have these glasses on? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really know. I wear glasses, so it's really an issue for me to try to put the 3D glasses over top of my actual glasses. So that, that kind of irritates me. But I really, I feel like the way that the high frame rate stuff moves is, seems strange, strange to me too. because I'm, I'm just not used to watching high frame rate content. So... Even though I don't really like either, I think I, I think I'll <laughs> pick I think I'll pick 3D. And just so you know, I just asked the the uh, our chat which they would prefer, and 86 percent are choosing high frame rate. Well, I I think higher frame rate is great for animation because it can make animation look amazing. It's true. Make it flow better. Yeah, but I I think the problem is as the chat's talking about with something like that is then you have to have people to animate that higher frame rate, which then the costs go up drastically. So I I think I guess I I'll answer your question by saying I would rather have higher frame rate in movies, which already have very high budgets, but for regular anime neither. <laughs> can I can <laughs> I is that does that count? <laughs> yeah, it counts. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, this is I know this is very interesting, a very interesting point. 94% of the chat said that they do not want mosaic censorship. Oh. So, not that that's related at all, but <laughs> there you go. Okay, thanks for the call. Oh, thank you very much. All right, talk to you later. I, liked, I like having callers because it's like one of those things that I'm like, oh, my God, the people on the other end of my computer are real people. You know what? Esteban sounded great. Yeah. Your, your mic was great. You can call back anytime. Anytime. Anytime at all. Okay, so we're going to take another news break, and when we come back, it's the long-awaited review of the second season of Knights of Sidonia, Sidonia no Kishi, so stay tuned, and we'll be back after this news break. This is Shiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, if you're like me, Hulu is one of your primary sources of anime. 
And you might be interested to know that the video streaming platform Hulu has recently announced that it will be offering an ad-free subscription plan. It'll be $11.99 a month, which is more than its $7.99 a month plan that includes ads. Now, both plans offer the same content, and free users have access to only some Hulu content. So your options are free, but you are restricted in what you can access, $7.99 a month and you get everything but with ads, or $11.99 a month, which is fairly comparable to Netflix if you want the HD on that, and no ads. I think it's personally pretty interesting, and I wonder how many of you are going to be upgrading to get more anime watching in. Now we're always talking about anime and how it falls into the same kind of tropes and how we love things that break the mold. Well, I have a manga that I have to talk about because it certainly does just that. Yuichi Okano is a second generation Hibakusha. And for those of you who don't know, Hibakusha is an atomic bomb survivor. He's created a manga series, Pecross no Haha no Tamatebako, or Pecross's Mother's Treasure Chest. It's a series that chronicles the daily life of Pecross and his mother who's living with dementia. Now, the series is an autobiographical, with Paycross being a stand-in for Okano and himself. You can find more exact details about the synopsis of this manga online, but it's definitely something that I recommend you people checking out as a potential for something to be really interesting and give a glimpse of history in a new way. In other news, how do you feel about Dragon Ball Z getting some new animation? Well, if you're curious, there is a new fan project, yes, I said fans, titled Seven Star Reanimate, and it's collaborating with volunteer animators to reanimate an episode of Dragon Ball. The project will be reanimating the English dub version of episode eight, the Kamehame Wave. It's currently wrapping most of production. The team's animators were inspired by Caitlin Sullivan's popular The Moon Animate Makeup, the project that premiered last year. Seven Star Reanimate went into production this past December, and you can find online some examples of the team's animation shots. In other news, Ace Attorney fans rejoice because Capcom has recently announced that the recently revealed Yakuten Saiben 6 game is quote-unquote also in development for the West. The company will have more information of the Nintendo 3DS release tentatively titled and originally titled Ace Attorney 6 coming soon. This was Shiaki and this was your Anime News Break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon. Kazuo, get over here! Stop it, you're being weird. Chiaki told me that if I supported the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast on Patreon.com, that I could stuff all these dollar bills into your boxer shorts. She said what now? Whoa, no. Actually, what I said was that you could get great podcast rewards, like exclusive access to bi-weekly hentai episodes and the podcast after parties, as well as stuff like 48-hour early access to regular podcast episodes. Oh, yeah, and I see here that as part of the hentai tier, I get to shove all this cold, hard cash into a person's boxer shorts of my choosing. Wait, what? And I choose you, Kazuo, so just wait. That wasn't there before. Mitsugi, you added that reward to the Patreon.com listing just now, didn't you? No, I didn't. Anyway, if you want to support the podcast and get some great extra podcast content, sign up for our Patreon page on patreon.com slash AAA podcast. 
And we're back to the 293rd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. So, welcome back to the show. You know, I really enjoyed having our callers this episode. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You guys are you guys are great. And we're going to jump into our long-awaited review of Knights of Sidonia. I was very excited for this one because I really really enjoyed the first Knights of Sidonia and I think a lot of review or a lot of your viewers, a lot of listeners probably remember our review being very positive. What did we give the first one? I'm pulling that up. I was cleverly trying to stall while I was looking for it. Um, the original Knights of Sidonia, we gave a four out of five. So it got quite a good review. Okay. So for those people who don't know what Knights of Sidonia is, Knights of Sidonia is an anime that came out in the in April of 2014. So it's pretty new. Yeah. And it's the story is that it's been thousands of years since the Ghana, a strange alien race with no known method of communication, destroyed a, the solar system. A portion of humanity managed to escape using enormous seed ships like the Sidonia, which have allowed them to maintain the population while drifting through space. Nagate Tanikaze is a young man who has been raised deep in the bowels of the ship. When he goes into training to pilot the huge robotic weapons known as guards, Nagate is entrusted with piloting the legendary unit known as Tsugumori. Nagate and his fellow pilots put their lives on the line against the Ghana in the ultimate battle for the survival of humanity. Now that is an epic synopsis and and i think i want to kind of start this review by saying that if you haven't seen the first season of knights of sidonia there are probably going to be spoilers in this review for the very first season because it's very difficult to talk about the second season without kind of talking a bit about the third season and and with relative to how the characters got to where they are because the second season is a direct continuation of the first season. This isn't one of those animes where you can just jump in in the second season and you'll be cool. You got to start with the first season. So if you haven't watched the first season of Knights of Sidonia and you're planning on watching it, here's my kind of disclaimer of you might or might not want to listen to this review depending on how sensitive you are to spoilers because I know some people don't care at all. And it's not like we're going to be like, this is all the spoilers. Spoilers, but it, it's got to come up because, yeah, like I said, it's a direct continuation of the story. So, so I, th- I think I think what was so charming to me about the first season was <laughs> charming is the wrong word, but charming about the first season about the first season, and, and I'm going to bring this to the second season is that the first season was such a dark and serious series. the The first season in, in the first couple episodes, they killed hundreds of people like main characters people who you thought were main characters died right off the bat in very realistic ways of we're having an alien battle and we're vastly overpowered and of course half the fleet is going to be wiped out and so I I feel like that was one of the things that drew me to the series originally was it was that kind of gritty very realistic type feeling of this world that they were creating and and I have to say, I feel like we lost some of that in season two. Can I just take a step back for a minute? Yeah, sure. That? A lot of people don't like Knights of Sidonia because it's because it's because it's completely CG. Yes, the, we got it. We have to mention that the anime is done by Polygon Pictures, and Polygon Pictures 
does CG anime, thus the word polygon. Now, while I say it's a CG series, I would also say that it's one of the best-looking CG series I've ever seen. It's They animated in CG in such a way that it looks like most of the characters look hand-drawn. Yes. But I feel like because it's CG, they do an exceptionally good job with the mech design and the space combat. They can animate it. Basically, they're, they're, they're taking something that a, that a regular anime would have done in CG anyway, the mech and the space battles, which, let's face it, practically are always done in CG yeah. nowadays. But this studio specializes in CG. So the space battles and the mechs look better than a regular anime would. I don't know if that makes sense, but because they're so adept at doing it, it just looks better. I have to say, when I first started watching season one of Knights of Sidonia, I was like, I don't know if I can do this with the style. But by the end of the first season, I hardly noticed. And I actually think the second season gets a little bit of a bump even in animation quality. Not to say that the the quality of the animation in the first season is bad by any stretch. But some of the animation in the second season was so well done. And it's cell shading and it's movement. And the way the characters, the way way everything about the characters moved and felt. That there were definitely times that I forgot that this wasn't drawn by hand digitally. Right. And and I, I think... I think it's one of those it, it's it's a series that's probably good enough and I'll still maintain that to to give it a couple episodes and see if you can adjust and if the style is just not your thing it's not your thing but but I definitely think that that the CG is is very interesting to me because originally when I heard oh it's an all CG anime it's going to look awful and I'm going to hate it and and now I I have to admit I kind of have a renewal of hope for the future of anime uh, it, being done with CG, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, um, I, not even a little bit. It doesn't. It doesn't even look weird to me anymore. It took maybe three episodes, and I was totally fine with it. To be perfectly honest. Now, getting back to your prior point about the lack of seriousness, Night of Sidonia's second season, I really felt like it got off to a strong start. Okay, they. They introduced some pretty hard sci-fi elements to this to the anime. And Chuck, you're gonna have to help me keep on track here with some of the correctness of what I what I say. I'll it's, do my best because it's very sci-fi, and they don't they don't they don't handhold you through it. Which I personally like. I really like it when I'm dropped into a world and there's no kind of we're just gonna walk you through and give you the the toddler explanation for everything. Right. So so they create a chimera. Ghana out of the captured Hoshijiro pl- placenta. Is that correct? Yes. That's what I that's what I was gathering. So like Ochi, who is one of the greatest like scientific minds in the in the Sidonia, had some clever like ideas that were sort of forbidden, I think. That the people in the Sidonia his his ideas were so radical that I think they they locked him up. They kept him they kept him alive and used his brain as like a database because they wanted to be able to access his genius ideas. I don't think I don't think keeping him alive is the right word. My understanding of it was that Ochi's consciousness was downloaded in a digital format of like a master computer and then they had like physical physical bodies that were that would access that database and be shredded by by the process to tap into 
OCI and the, the knowledge locked within there as as Mitsugi was saying was kind of forbidden I think not only just for being radical but for being potentially very dangerous which we see some of that in season two as OCI's experiments are conducted out through a vessel uh which is a uh, uh, Kum Kumanto, I yeah, I'm I gotta look. I gotta look his names. name up. So um, I should have had my cheat sheet open. There is a very but. prominent and rich figure, sort of a rich figure in the in the anime. His family is very famous. His name's Norio Kunato. Yes, Kunato, and and Kunato, right at the start of season two, gets infected. By and honestly, I was never a hundred percent sure of what he was infected with. But my my understanding was that it was a lab, an, a lab of Ochi's experiments that he was doing that was that was lost to time, and Kunato found it. And there were these Ghana esque creatures made for, that Ochi made from the Ghana that had Ochi's consciousness and and will kind of tapped into them and. And Kunato got infected by one of them, and he's basically a puppet of Ochi. He, got, he now. got body snatched. Yeah. So Kunato gets body snatched, and he's trying to, he's trying to make the 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 radical ideas that that Ochi had come to fruition. Yes. And one of those is t- is creating a placenta Ghana, which is like basically making a weapon out of, out of like living matter of a Ghana, and using that to fight the Ghana. So what he does is he takes a placenta that they that they captured from a Ghana, which it looks like Hoshijiro, whom is an old character, one of my favorite characters in the anime. And they make a chimera, which is like a hybrid between a human and a Ghana, and use it to fight the Ghana. So that's a huge element of the second season. They do it right off the bat. It would, they introduced that in like what the first three episodes, two episodes. I I want to say it's like the first one, and it's uh the chimera is what is it sumigi Su- sumogi it's sumugi sumugi is sumugi the, uh, is the Ghana's name is yes. the chimera's name, and there's some pretty cool badass shit that happens in the beginning of the show. The the um there are some space battles early on where there are gone there are Ghana enemies that threaten the Sidonia, and they. F- like one of them fires a gigantic gravity cannon. They call it a gravity beam a beam emitter in the anime at the Sidonia. And the, well, the basically, I, won't, I, w- I guess I won't spoil how the battle resolves, but the, but the chimera is critical in the Sidonia surviving that battle. And and you definitely see the how the chimeras help. Originally, the people of the Sidonia are aghast that this chimera would even exist because they've been fighting the Ghana for for a thousand plus years, and this whole idea of how how could you even let any Ghana parts on our ship, even a placenta, and then to make something that's part Ghana and sentient. How do we know it's not going to turn on us? And how do we know it's not going to try to kill us? And blah blah blah. And and so. There's that kind of perception when you first meet Sumugi, and then as as Sumugi, am I saying that name right? Sumugi. Yeah. Okay. As Sumugi does, you know, helps out the Sidonia, people's perception drastically changes. But it's interesting because the show takes place um, from Nagate Tanikaze's point of view, and Tanikaze, right. we learn more about his history and who he is at the very end of the first season, and that gets a little more ex- explanation in the second season. But 
he has very little issue right off the bat with Sumugi because Hoshijiro and Tanikaze were were a love interest in the first season and obviously For good reason <laughs> obviously even despite the fact that that the the only thing that exists of her is this Ghana placenta version of her. He's still very much attached to that. And so I think his perception of the Ghana and if it's evil or whatnot is is very is very changed from the average person's perspective um, because can, of that. Can I just say how ridiculously cute Hoshijudo is? She's a really cute anime character you you are you I are on the hoshijudo chain i got a thing for hoshijudo she's <laughs> like if i had to have a waifu if i had to adopt that word and, and pick a waifu it's hoshijudo it is yeah even as a ghana i'll take it why not you know so the problem with nice Sedonia's second season and oh and if anybody in the chat feels the same way that i do about hoshijudo we can maybe we can make a hoshijudo waifu fan club oh no maybe that maybe that could happen so, the problem with Nice of Sidonia's second season is that episodes five through nine are terrible. Yeah, they're really they bad. They suck. They suck a Which big ass. Which is basically half the series. Yeah, basically. Episodes one through four are pretty cool. They create the they create the chimera. They have the battles, the huge battles. And, and there's die. there's some interesting things going on politically on the Sidonia. And I'm not going to spoil what it is because it's kind of a big thing. But, but there's a couple things that happen involving the captain of the Sidonia and how the, the Sidonia is, is run and and some some things that happen and and that gets really intense because you're like holy shit things are changing and 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 we're in for a new world order type of thing and and that gets really exciting the chat is accusing me of going over to the moe side <laughs> now as the moe archangel i have to honestly ask you a question okay is hoshi judo a moe character i don't con- i you know i actually will say I don't consider a lot of... I really do, can't think of one female in Knights of Sidonia that I would truly consider Moe. I mean, she spends half the show killing people. Her her her, her placenta persona. Probably, honestly, probably the closest to a Moe character is Izana. Yeah, 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 probably. I would probably say. So, thank you for defending me on that. Well, so, know. oh, and now they're saying he did the mailbag dance. I did it for one second. I'm trying to... I'm trying to support Chiaki in the absence of Kazuo. Aw, thank you, Mitsu. God, why don't you just kill me already? The chat is killing me here. <laughs> so, Knights of Sidonia's second season turns into a harem. You've got Izana, who is the sort of... Well, how would you define her? How, how do they define her in the show? Well, so so you have to understand that, that as Mitsugi was saying, Knights of Sidonia is a far future sci-fi world. And as a result, there are very interesting things that come up in the series of how humanity has come to terms with certain issues that it would have living in space for a long time. And one of the, one of the issues that, that came forward early on in the Sidonia's lifespan was was the issue of food and so people were genetically modified to photosynthesize so they only had to eat very little food but then they could photosynthesize for energy and sustenance and another thing that is common is cloning rather than having any kind of of natural birth and I I want to say and I could be wrong but I want to say it was a result of the genetic modification to synthesize that babies couldn't be born the same way maybe I'm wrong Um, but but cloning is a very common 
common common thing. And one of the other very common things that we see in Izana is that there are these characters that are gender fluid in in a very literal sense of their gender changes depending on a chosen mate so if they fall in love with a man their gender changes to that of a woman and if they fall in love with a woman then their gender changes to that of a man and so Izana is one such character and through the second season we clearly see her and Tanikaze and I'm using her because as she gets closer to Tanikaze she definitely becomes um, on the woman side of the gender spectrum and grows breasts and and gets the downstairs to match and whatnot um so the chat is still killing me and as a result of that i will now prove my loyalty to my own church oh no chiaki yes i renounce and disapprove of your very existence i came here to have a good time and i'm honestly feeling so attacked (laughs) Okay, so you know, do see, not even make me play the play the Pope of Mitsugi music. There's the problem, you guys. Do oh you really? My God. Do you really want to follow a doctrine where the leader has to randomly attack and put down other people to make himself seem stronger? Is that really what you want to do? No, the answer is no. Um, first of all, uh, first of all, you made a mistake just now because Moe characters are not people. This is this is what the Moe Archangel stands for, fighting hate. It is the very we are f- about love. It is the very fact that you are incapable of seeing that the Moe part of you is not human is proof enough of the pollution of your soul. And only through the salvation of the Church of Mitsuki will you find peace and harmony in your life. Peace and harmony through changing the fundamental aspects of a person? No, Moedom is about embracing everyone and becoming the best person you can be. And if that means that you sometimes trip and fall on your face with your ass, I'm being played over. Speaking of censorship, how's this for censorship? Bathe in the music of the Church of Mitsugi. I'm going to eat an apple into the microphone and make give you an editing nightmare. Okay, let's go back to the Knights of Sidonia. So, you have Izana, whom we just talked about, right? And we have yes. we have Hayate, or is it... Oh, what the hell are all these characters' names? I can't remember. Um, you have the green-haired girl that sort of commands the ship, whose name I can't remember for some reason. Then you have... Um, um, God, what are their names? you got to help me out here. I'm... I'm trying to I'm, I'm awful with names I'm so bad with names so you've got Kobayashi whom I think had a thing for Ochi and so she has a thing for Kuna uh, for uh, what's his face because spoiler from the first season he's a clone of Ochi wait wait who I'm talking about Kobayashi the girl with the mask yeah he are you talking about Tanikaze no oh I'm talking okay for all right just just skip over that the, gr- the green hair girl name girl's name was Yuhata Yuhata. That's what I was looking for. And the other girl's name was Shina Tose. And then, the worst out of all of them, the Chimera, whom I mentioned prior from the show, gets this weird, like, fireman's helmet, penis-shaped, butthole, right in the center of the forehead, monster tentacle that, like, lives with all of them. 
So he's living with the monster butthole fireman's helmet penis tentacle, whom he sleeps with once. He's Izana, Yuhata, and I think one other girl, all under the same roof, and they all spend the, like episodes five through nine fighting over him. No, he has he has three. It's Whatever. Just, it's just tentacle butthole penis tentacle. And yeah, the bear or whatever. It's the bear that had a thing for OGI. Okay, fine. So, yeah. So basically, okay. So Chiaki, you got to talk about the prediction you made, right? Right smack dab in the middle of this anime. It was great. So, right in the middle of the anime, um, what happens? Oh, they have to go to this thousand-year village, and we don't know anything about the thousand-year village other than. Oh, you got to get to go there and whatnot. And Tanikaze invites Tanikaze invites Izana to go with him to the Thousand Year Village. And I'm like, all right, I know what's going to happen now. I see the writing on the wall. The Thousand Year Village is going to be this old, like, traditional Japanese preserve. And they're, they're going to stay the night at a hot spring and the other two girl parts of the harem are going to be hijinks are going to ensue as they try to find out what happens with Tanikaze and and Izana and I'm so sorry there is a cat right now (laughs) trying to just be all up in my all right I'll take care of the cat you keep talking um and uh and so I I was like I know what's gonna happen they're going to go to this thing and it's a hot spring and they're going to stay the night and they're going to have a romantic moment because this there's going to be a hot spring episode now. And there was. I was right. In space. Yeah, it's like in the middle of a desolate universe, a gigantic ship where human beings are genetically modified, they still managed to come up with a hot spring episode. What the hell? It's thousands of years in the future. How does a hot spring even exist still? I do not know. A zero-gravity hot spring or a modified gravity hot spring. So, yeah, they really did nothing in those five episodes in the middle of the anime except fawn over Nagate, who overall is not even a very appealing character, honestly. And, like, do dumb shit like finding new rooming arrangements and just be generally dumb and making the Chimera's penis fireman's fireman helmet butthole right in the middle of the forehead tentacle monster thing feel more like a person by by including her in their like daily lives and it just really kind of took away from the from the point of the show which is humanity's survival because after episode nine they get right back into the you know hardcore cg space battle fighting and it's just like there's this really awkward random fluff bs section of the anime that was stuck right there in the middle of the show that really just doesn't feel like it belongs in Knights of Sidonia. It, it, it was very weird. It was just like almost like the animators were like, all right, we're going to do the normal obligatory anime stuff, and then we'll get back to what we actually want this series to be about. So, um, so Meowth900 in the chat said, so it turned into anime? Yes. Yes, yeah. it did. It went from being this sci-fi space opera epic to being to being reduced to g- girls fighting over Nagate and Hot Spring episode right in the middle of the show. And I just can't, for the life of me, understand why they would do that to the anime. But 
For some reason, they chose to. And, you know, I have to say, too, it's not that I'm against the idea of this anime having episodes that are not about, like, intense space battles and show maybe the culture of living on the Sidonia and what life is like on the Sidonia day to day. Because I think that's an interesting thing that helps build this world. And it is a cool world to to see built for for the viewer. But I guess the frustrating thing for me is that it, it it didn't it that's not what it was about it was just about building this weird han- harem and having anime hijinks so so just so everybody knows today is cornelius the cat mascot's birthday it is cornelius is just about as old as the podcast yeah a little older um the podcast is six years and what six years and a three months, months old yeah. and cornelius is now seven years old so he was only seven months old when we started this podcast and now he's a very sexy very big silver maine coon yeah right now he's licking his he's licking the area in between his toes so everybody happy birthday to cornelius happy birthday he's sitting right here on the podcast table taking up the entire amount of space that kazuo would have would he had he been here we are crowded as usual now. <laughs> so, honestly, I really was disgusted with episodes 5 through 9. I thought the ending of the show was a little bit was a little bit better, but there were some things at the end of the show that I didn't really like how they wrapped it up either. But this show is not over. Because Knights of Sidonia, I believe, will have a third season. I, I I'm not sure if that's been It's re- set up for one. I'm not sure if that's been re- if that's been announced yet, but I will look that up while you keep talking. I I Knights of Sidonia, the first season, I actually thought had more of a conclusion than than the second season did because, the, though I do have to say, as far as to be continued shows, both shows did kind of have their own conclusions. In in the first season, the conclusion was kind of this. Uh, the The conclusion was Tanikaze coming out and becoming an integrated pilot and fighting the Ghana. And then the thing that carried over into the second season was what are we doing now with this Ghana placenta and what does that mean for the Sidonia? And we've kind of seen that resolved in the second season and then going into the third season and spoiler is this planet nine thing that they've that they've taken kind of possession of and made their base for weathering a big Ghana attack, which is being set up as kind of the ultimate battle between humanity and the Ghana. Um, which, by the way, that planet sucks. Yeah, it does I don't know suck. why they want it. It's piece of, it's much like much like the Sidonia. It's a piece of crap. Don't you just feel like every single walkway and path in the Sidonia is like a decrepit piece of rubble that could just like, fall like fall apart and kill whoever's walking on it at any moment? Yeah. Every railing is like rusted. But Every I, walkway is cracked. But I love that because it feels like it was a sh- it's a ship that that's been traveling for hundreds of years, which is what it is. I mean, when you think about that, they wouldn't have a perfect kind of world. There would be parts in disarray and there would be parts that were kind of jerry-rigged to be fixed with what they had on hand. And so so I like that about the Sidonia, but um the the definite question going into the third season is what is this planet going to do and and how is that going to how is that going to shape up it i think it's being set up where if it gets a third season that will be the ultimate climax of the series where it's the here's what happens between humanity and the ghana and here's kind of the final resolution of all of that well it certainly needs but, a third season because it's completely unfinished yeah i mean completely unfinished it just totally just stops which you know was kind of how the first season was but I couldn't find anything online about it at this point as to whether or not they're going to have one coming. I know it's not next season. I have to say, though, probably this... 
I have to say the ending of the second season of Sidonia was less satisfying to me than the first season. And both had to be continued endings. And I don't think it was just because I knew that the second season was for sure coming at the end of the first season. But but I just felt like I just felt like it was stronger. Like I felt like I got more out of the first season, whereas the second season, I ended up feeling like I was just kind of sitting there going, OK, like, OK, yeah, well, OK, we 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 did like one thing, but. There was an interesting kind of sexual scene at the end of it where where the yeah the placenta of Hoshijiro, whom, I'm sorry, she's hot, <laughs> manages to get inside of Katani Kaze's mech's cockpit, and she's butt naked. That's something else I want to talk about. The mech designs in this anime are fantastic, and especially the Benny Suzume, the, the, yeah. the sort of taken over Hoshijiro mech or whatever. It is awesome. So Suzume in Japanese means wasp, and... For those of you that have met, that don't know what the Benny Suzume looks like, I, I I will post a link into the chat. But it's the creepiest. It's like this blood red, half human, half mech, half wasp that always is giggling, and it looks exactly like a big wasp, and it is so creepy looking. I they, just love it. They did a good job of, of making it a very eerie kind of presence. Um, but I have to say, I, I I'll try not to spoil it more than this. But the the resolution surrounding the Benny Suzume was not satisfying. That's what I was talking about at the end. It's not yeah. it's not satisfying at all. There are a whole bunch of really cool anime figures of the Benny Suzume. Ooh. But I bet they're like $190. I'll never be able to get it. Are I th- are we ready to score it? I I feel kind of re- ready. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. So, I have to say I I loved the first season of Knights of Sidonia and I I thought it was a breath of fresh air and then the second season of Knights of Sidonia I kind of felt like it was just a a filler like we want to try to get three seasons out of this and we're going to do the bare minimum we have to to progress the plot and then just have this other stuff that anime fans are going to accept and and throw it in the middle and I feel like it lost a bit of what kind of made it cool even if it regained that at the end that being said, I, I still think it, it sits above average, above kind of your average anime. And so for those reasons, I'm going to give it three and a half coolly, very interestingly designed blood red hybrid mecha out of out of five. I think a three and a half is a fair score. I'm going to give it a three and a half also because oh. we gave the first series a four. And d- definitively, the first season is better than the second season. It just is, and that middle section just killed it for me. Like it's, t- it isn't even like you know. N- normally, I would say, oh, they did it to create deep character relationships or something, or a love interest, so they so that they could kill one of the characters afterwards and make it seem really, you know, like you know, more of an emotional reaction to someone getting killed. But they didn't even really do any. There was no development as a result of that middle section of the show at all. It was just like they are. It was almost like they were stalling for the manga or something, and because of that, I just can't. I can't. I just can't ignore that. And I'm gonna give it three and a half, really hot, butt naked Hoshijudos out of five. I think a three and a half is a fair score for this, and and I think that if I if I was someone who was who hadn't watched any of Knights of Sidonia, I would say, I would say to you wait to see if it gets a third season before you jump in on the first season. That's kind of my, where I stand with it. Do you hope it gets another season? I hope it gets another season. 
I hope it gets one more season and I hope they wrap everything up with an interesting and nice little bow. And that's kind of my hope with it. So I pulled the chat and asked them them what kind of a score they would give it. And the average of everybody's scores resulted in this anime getting almost a four. Which I think is fair. I, I don't think it was as good as the first one, like I said, but I think it was better than um than a lot than most 21 percent of the chat said give it a five 21 percent of the chat said give it a four and a half to a four 43 percent said give it a three to a three and a half and then the remaining 14 percent said give it less than a three so they're pretty high scores generally speaking yeah but overall just slightly less less strong than than the first season and it would be, and it would be my hope that if they made a third season that it would end up being a little bit stronger then the second just and honestly we don't get many anime like this yeah like maybe once a year maybe less than that so i really i mean this is basically a horror anime in space that's what it is it, it almost it does almost kind of have a feel of i think if it would were made into a video game i think it could be a lot like dead space yeah i think so i definitely think if, so. if if the ghana took over the sidonia and it was a fight against the, the ghana and the sidonia you'd have dead space it would be the same kind of atmosphere you'd have creepy ass hoshijito giggling like yeah. her giggle is so creepy unbelievable <laughs> so this was the end this is the end of the 293rd episode of the animatics anonymous podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it the uh, i know i know that i did thank you for all the people who called in that was a lot of fun you can find us on our website www aaapodcast.com we're on iTunes and we are on Facebook and Twitter so you can tweet us at aaapodcast or Chucky's at Elise Kova yes and you can and, talk uh, about bookish things with me we're live every Sunday at 4pm Eastern Standard Time on Ustream and of course we're on Patreon if we hit that fifth Patreon milestone which we're honestly not that far from it Chucky and Mitsugi will have a well documented and filmed sumo suit battle once and for all, we will determine who wins between the Moe Archangel and the Church of Mitsugi. Although we both know it'll be me. I'll win. Yeah, right. I, I got this. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> so next week, we're going to be doing our drinking episode, so don't don't miss out Uh-oh. on that for sure. I, I will be announcing on social media what the anime is that we'll be watching. So for those of you that are going to watch with us and play the drinking game with us, you guys can follow along and play. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.